Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here's everything you might have missed in Ms. Marvel Episode 2. Welcome back, you Marvel maniacs, to our weekly breakdown of Ms. Marvel. Episode 2, titled Crushed, gave us plenty of Marvel Easter eggs, hidden details, and references that you might have missed. However, to talk about them in detail, we need to spoil what happens in Ms. Marvel Episode 2. So if you haven't seen it yet, leave now before it's too late. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? After accidentally debuting her superpowers at AvengerCon, Kamala is on Cloud 9. We see a redo of her day at school from Episode 1, but instead of being a doormat, she stands up for herself at every turn. The school has a few Easter eggs as well, like a poster referencing Ms. Marvel set buyer Dustin Barry, and another poster features a QR code that leads to a free copy of Ms. Marvel 15, in which Kamala's new crush Kamran plays a major part. Naki refers to whoever saved Zoe as the budget Captain Marvel, and this is fitting because when Kamala first got her powers in the comics, she used her shape-shifting ability to make herself look like Carol Danvers. One of the major questions of this episode is what is the nature of Kamala's powers? Kamala guesses that she might be Asgardian, and even speculates that she could have Ant-Man powers. At one point, Kamala refers to her energy constructs as an idea come to life, but in the comics, her powers do share a kinship with Ant-Man, sort of. Because we're both charming and we look a lot younger than we are. Kamala was exposed to the Terrigen Mists, which activated latent inhuman genes inside of her. She then gained polymorphing powers that allow her to shrink and embiggen her body at will, kind of like certain Scott Langs we could name. In fact, we see her embiggen her fist at one point in this episode, but she lacks the super strength to actually lift it. So I guess super strength is not a part of the equation. At the Circle Q, Bruno plays Super Lucky Tail on his phone using an Xbox controller. And this platformer inspires Kamala to make light platforms of her own using her hard light powers. In classic superhero movie fashion, they head to the rooftop for a good old-fashioned training session. Using an app, Bruno determined that the bangle unlocked the superhuman part of Kamala, referencing her latent inhuman genes from the comics. And while having Kamala be an inhuman would be more mind-blowing than Black Bolt's inner monologue, I don't think the MCU is reintroducing them anytime soon, especially when they also have to integrate the X-Men first. Rather, I'm more inclined to believe theories that Kamala could be part Kree. After all, it could explain why Kamala can't identify the language on the bangle. Kamala's bangle could be the MCU's version of the Negabands, and that would create a connection to the powerful Kree Empire we met in Captain Marvel. Introduced in 1969's Captain Marvel 16, the Negabands are Kree artifacts that let the user tap into incredible abilities. If these are coded to respond to only those people with Kree DNA markers, or Kree-NA if you're nasty, that might explain why Kamala's able to access these abilities and why it runs in her family. Episode 1 also seeded the concept of the jinn, shapeshifting unseen spirits from Arabic and Islamic folklore. Jinn were said to be able to travel between planes of existence, and that could give context to that purplish dimension Kamala saw at AvengerCon. However, as some have speculated, if Kamala's bangle is one of the negaband, that could be the negative zone she saw. In the comics, it's a dimension of antimatter parallel to our own. The negative zone is a world with deep connections to the original Captain Marvel, the Kree warrior Marvel. 
Recontextualizing these supposedly mythical beings, the Jinn, as the result of interstellar meddling by the Kree, could fit in with what the MCU has established thus far. Much like the Eternals-inspired myths on Earth, so too could these Kree hybrids. Now, during the training montage, we get a far less tragic parallel to Black Widow's sacrifice on Vormir in Endgame. You have to let me go! It's not the only Black Widow reference this episode either. Later, she wears a Black Widow shirt to school and does a Natasha-style landing on a rooftop while trying to do some superheroing. Ugh, that was disgusting. As for Kamala's term for her powers, hard light, that's actually a term from the X-Men comics for the hyper-realistic constructs made by Danger, the personification of the AI that runs the Danger Room. We also once again see the Edison Electric sign. As we mentioned last week, this is a comic book location where Kamala fought one of her very first real villains, the Inventor. He was a botched clone of Thomas Edison who was more cockatiel than man and truly hates being called a bird. Moving on, the mosque, the Islamic Masjid of Jersey City, and Sheikh Abdullah are both straight out of the comics as well, first appearing in Ms. Marvel number three. Even the plotline about Kamala and Nakia getting busted for talking during the lecture is straight out of issue number three. As for the shoe thief, well, that's shaping up to be the MCU's next Thanos-level threat. And the mosque shoe thief has struck again. Later on, Kamala heads to the party on the pegs of Bruno's bike because hers was clearly stolen when it was abandoned at the bus station in episode one. How likely is that I'm gonna find it there when I get back? Yeah. In Jersey City? And while Kamala's outfit and her Ushanka hat are from Ms. Marvel number three, the scene where someone tricks her into drinking vodka is directly from the pages of Ms. Marvel number one. Am I drunk? This episode also introduces us to Kamala's crush, Kamran, who first appeared in Ms. Marvel number 13. And there is literal chemistry between them during their very first meeting as Kamala drops her chemistry textbook at school. In the comics, Kamran also has Terrigen-derived powers like Kamala, but for now, he simply has the power to relentlessly charm her. They bond over Riz Ahmed's hip-hop group The Sweatshop Boys in early 90s Bollywood movies, including the works of SRK. Now, SRK stands for Shah Rukh Khan, a prolific Indian actor. The DDLJ in question is Diwale Dulhania Le Jayenge, a 1995 musical rom-com, and I apologize if I butchered that pronunciation. I'm working on it. Once again, Kamala's imagination influences the world around her as neon signs on the Circle Q morph to form a heart as Kamran drives away. Kamala's dream sequence at home where she sings and dances to the Renette's Be My Baby is a reference to Dirty Dancing, where the song plays in the opening over the lead character Baby's inner monologue. The sequence also references the opening credits of Adventures in Babysitting, which is fitting because that movie also featured Vincent D'Onofrio as Thor. Later, when Kamala and Kamran try to hide behind their menus to avoid Amir, it's another teen movie moment. This happens in Greece when Danny and Sandy are on a date as well. Back at school, Kamala's unable to control her power, something that actually happens to her in Ms. Marvel number three as well. Likewise, she's apparently unable to control her need for speed as Kamran compares her to Bowser from Mario Kart during their driving lesson. Later, they mention another movie star familiar to MCU fans, Kingo. Eternals revealed that Kingo established himself as a family of movie stars, and his legacy looms large even over the older women of Jersey City. My, um, my, uh, my mom, she's literally obsessed with him. Later at dinner, the family discusses the partition referring to the end of colonial British rule in India in 1947. British India was then split into two independent nations, India, where the majority of people were Hindu, and Pakistan, where the majority of people were Muslim. What followed was utter chaos as religious and cultural tensions erupted into violence across the region. It affected Kamala's family as well, with Muniba's family affected by the resulting civil war. Yusuf then tells a story about Muniba's mother, Sana, named for Ms. Marvel co-creator Sana Amanat. 
That fateful night, Sana pulled off a seemingly impossible task by following a trail of stars. Now, this is perhaps a clue connected to the bangle that Kamala now wears. As for Sana's mother, Aisha, she disappeared that very night, perhaps into the same purplish realm that Kamala glimpsed at AvengerCon. Whatever happened that night is very important as the bangle begins reacting, causing Kamala to have a vision of a strange woman beckoning towards her while we hear the sounds of a train station. Now, it's tempting to think this is Aisha, but this is actually Najma, played by Nimra Bucha, who we meet later in the episode. Clearly, though, she has a strong connection to Kamala's family. After Kamala blacks out, they use Zamzam water, which is holy water from Mecca, to help wake her up and cleanse her. Later, Kamala calls her grandmother to learn about the bangle, only to find out it did indeed belong to Aisha, the great-grandmother who disappeared. As for Aisha, she appeared in the comics only one time in 2016's Ms. Marvel No. 8 in a story that involved her and her wedding bangle, so the plot thickens. Here, it seems like she's going to take on a greater role. According to Muniba, Aisha is why they had to move halfway around the world. At the Eid celebration, Kamala chats up the Illuminantes to get the scoop on Aisha, and one of them tells Kamala that her great-grandmother cursed everything she touched, which doesn't exactly bode well for Kamala's newfound family heirloom. Later on, a child winds up dangling precariously from a minaret ledge while doing it for the gram. Unfortunately, Kamala's attempt to rescue him seems even more ill-advised than ice cream pizza. Did someone say ice cream pizza? When she's about to save the day, she has another vision of Najma causing her to lose control of her construct. Hamid then falls, injuring his ankle and marring an otherwise successful first outing as a superhero. While this is happening, Zoe is being interrogated by the Department of Damage Control, who it turns out are not big fans of her work. I have a feeling that you did this for the likes. Once they ferret out details about Nightlight, they initiate a tri-state sweep of temples, mosques, and community centers. They also reference that the FBI are already surveilling Muslims and South Asians, a problematic holdover policy in the wake of 9-11. After Kamala's superheroics wind up all over social media, Damage Control sends in drones to hunt her down. These are the same Stark Industries drones controlled by Edith in Spider-Man Far From Home, now repurposed to track down enhanced individuals. Based on these drones and the guns the Damage Control agents carry, they are clearly using all the advanced tech they had stashed away in Spider-Man Homecoming. What? Fortunately for Kamala, though, Kamran arrives in the nick of time to offer a speedy getaway in his car. Unfortunately, much like Ms. Marvel number 14, Kamran picked her up to take her to someone more dangerous, someone with their own designs on Kamala. This time, though, he brought his mom along for the ride, and surprise, surprise... I've been waiting a very long time to meet you. In the comics, Kamran's mother is named Bushra, but here the character is called Najma. This is the same person who appeared to Kamala in both of her visions, and presumably can access superhuman abilities much like she can. The name Najma is the Urdu word for star, which could also tie into Sana's story about following a trail of stars back to her father. There's also a Cree-human hybrid character in the comics named Star as well, which could play into the theory that Kamala is of Cree descent, and there are other Cree hybrid sleeper agents out there. Of course, all of this is making me feel kinda like Pepe Silvia at a conspiracy theory board, because there's still a decent chance these super-powered people could be something else entirely, like, say, Jin. After all, we know that mythological creatures exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just look at Thor, or Shang-Chi, or Moon Knight. Why not in Ms. Marvel as well? Only time will tell what they really are and how their powers came to be, but for now, we have more questions than answers. In the meantime, though, folks, tell us, what did you think of this episode? Did you spot anything that we missed? Is there alcohol in that? Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com. 